Hello and welcome to C3 Newcastle City Podcast. It is our honour to host you and trust you will enjoy this message as much as we did. For more information about C3 Newcastle City or to connect with us, visit our website, www.c3nc.com. Oh, great big Rocky Mountains to get in the way <laughs> to obscure your view of this beautiful ocean. My goodness, it was beautiful. And a bunch of crazy people on boards. Somebody said, I said, what's surfing like? And they said, well, it's like snowboarding. And I go, well, mountains don't move when you're on them. <laughs> it's a little different. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, we're really grateful for Ryan and Erica. They, uh, not just, um, they're not just ministering our church. They minister across Canada at different churches. And um, there's a, Jesus would say that prophets are without honor in their hometowns. And um, I'm not sure what he meant by that. Just, just because you're not honored doesn't mean you're a prophet. But um, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure that many of us know really what honor means. I've tried to write up a definition for it many times. I have three counseling strategies, only three. That, and, um, but one of them is, comes from, the, from Ephesians where we honor our mothers and fathers so it goes well with us, not so it goes well with them. And, and often I'll find in people's lives where things aren't going well with them if I ask the question, well, where have you dishonored? And it's a complicated question because most of us actually are not familiar with the culture of honor even. And, um, and I, have a, I have some idea what it's like, uh, some idea, but, but for many of us, we're not even really sure who our spiritual parents are to know how to honor them. We know who our earthly parents are. But um, for some people would say, well, honor is just showing respect for some uh, you know, it's just being thankful. I'm thankful for my parents. Well, it kind of doesn't work in the life of a minister where they're where to give them double honor. You, you say thank you twice, or what do you, how does that work? Um, uh, for some, uh, scripturally, honor is about money. It's about giving, and double honor means pay them twice as much so as a minister among you. And, um, but um, anyway, we find that these two have some of the most honoring hearts of any couple we've ever met. And you may not know it here, because they lead here, but they, when they come and visit with us, their hearts are positioned to receive and to learn, and your growth is limited by your ability to learn. So really what I look for in young ministers is teachability. And the level of arrogance that I find among young men and women is actually very discouraging. And, um, but I see among them an incredible teachability, and so the reason they receive a lot is because they're open a lot. And, uh, and we just feel that their deposit in Canada has been priceless, and their friendship is priceless, and our relationship is precious, and it's a sacred thing. So thank you for loaning to us for a few weeks a year. They're a huge blessing. Could you just thank them? <laughs> they're really, really special, and they're special to us. Um, so many things I want to share with you this morning. I went for coffee at about 6 o'clock, and the guy says, where's your accent from? And... I said, uh, uh, I don't have an accent. <laughs> you have the accent. <laughs> it's interesting how, we, how accents differentiate us, and they only really are revealed when we're in the presence of somebody who sounds different than us. We have spiritual accents as well, you know, because we all have a little bit different beliefs, a little bit different perspectives of the Scripture, of Jesus. And, um, but I find what's interesting about... Accents is they're removed in worship. I can't, when people sing from, 
There's no accent. I don't know why, how that works, but, but it's a beautiful thing. Um, I, I also want to just say this to you. Uh, you're in a really great place here, in this place. And again, we visit lots of churches, and there's not the, the welcome and the accessibility and the freedom that you have here is, is uh, a, a really um, a very sacred trust that's stewarded by your team, and, and uh, you shouldn't take it for granted. It's really special. You know, um, this last year, this word place is, a, is a, actually a, a significant word for me. Um, I'm not sure if you know it or not, but Adam and Eve were not, they were not created in the garden. They were created outside the garden. The Bible says that God then placed them in the garden. Uh, are you willing to be placed would be the question. When you find your place, you'll find your people and your purpose. But you need to find your place. The Bible says when a bird, like a bird without a nest, because people are without a place. Uh, it said Moses asked to see, get a revelation of who God was. And he says, okay, I'll give you a revelation of me, but first I have to place you someplace. And if you'll stay in that place, I'll reveal myself to you. It's, it was a, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, we read the, just been through Holy Week, and the thing about Jesus is he was, pla he was placed on a cross, and he stayed in that place, and you and I could have eternal salvation. Your harvest in your life is determined by you staying in your place. We're not meant to blossom where we're planted. We're meant to bear fruit where we're planted. And fruit is always at the end of the growing cycle. Is anybody a farmer here? I come from, no farmers. Listen, you're all farmers, right? We handle seed and soil and water, and you, you can't plant and expect it not to grow. Seed without soil won't germinate. Um, we visited the tomb, the, the, the pyramids in Egypt, and they found wheat seed that was 7,000 years old, and um, it's germinated. The reason was it was placed in an environment where it could germinate. So seed by itself is actually useless. It actually needs the cooperation of the soil. The Bible talks about four different types of soils. Uh, if, that, if, that, if that equation is true, there's only 25% of you that will bear fruit from today's word. Let's believe for 100%, could we, <laughs> together? Because the word, well, we, we went and had a little prayer meeting. I've never been, had to go through a gate to get into a prayer room before. That was interesting. Um, but the word was about the soil being turned over. And I think that's all happened. And I'm going to release a word, and it's up to you whether you bear fruit or not. If you cooperate with the word, it will bear fruit. <laughs> the, 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 the word is imperishable. It's incorruptible. Um, the fact is, if you want to learn this morning, you have to prepare to be wrong in your current paradigm, in your current mindset. You're going to have to let go of that to be able to grab onto a new thing. The Bible says that even our traditions can nullify the word of God. Did you know that? So we can hinder the move of God, the fruitfulness of God. Well, isn't the word powerful? Yeah, but it needs your cooperation, your agreement in order for that to happen. I want to talk about identity today. It's been a very hearty introduction. Um, uh, the, our theme is glory, and I'm going to deviate just a little bit from that this morning. Just a little bit, but not, not a lot, but just a little bit. Um, I love when... Uh, the Father's heart being revealed to us, and I think that's what he wants to do this morning. I know that's what he wants to do this morning. And um, in uh, the proverb said that it's the, it's the glory of kings to reveal a matter, or sort of hide it, conceal a matter. And, um, and you think that the Lord's hiding things from you. He's, he's actually, it's actually in, in grace uh, that he hides things. And it's not that he doesn't want to reveal them, but we're responsible for the revelation we've revealed. 
and we need to be ready for when he reveals that, right? And so for us, when something gets hidden, I don't hide it so my kids can't have it. I hide it so they can have the joy of the search. Easter, when we have Easter egg hunts, the greatest joy for me is watching the kids find another egg. So this is the Father's heart that he reveals things as we're ready to receive them. I want you to consider a passage of Scripture, maybe two or three. Uh, I've got nine sermons in front of me. I'm going to preach one. I'm just not sure which one. Um, but I, but I want to talk about identi- uh, our identities. And, um, and, and I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 4. I'm not going to read from that for a while, but I want you to turn there. Um, I want to share a little bit from about 1 Corinthians, and it's in one of my pages here. And then I'm just going to talk about this. Chapter 4 and verse 16, it says that we stop knowing or evaluating people from an earthly perspective. Have you seen that before? One version says we no longer know, uh, you, we, we no longer know one another after the flesh. That's an interesting thing. Because for most of us, that's how we do identify each other. I, I recognize a few people from last time I was here because I know them after the flesh. But, he, but Paul says that there's actually another identity of people, and that's an identity in the spirit. My question would be not how are you known now, but how are you known in heaven? Because we're known in heaven in a different way. You have two relationships with the Lord. Your current relationship and the one that he's trying to get you to. There's a true, a true identity and there's a false identity. Many of us function out of a false identity. And, it's, it's been, and, and we've been conformed to a, a certain pattern of thinking. A certain pattern of living. Uh, and, and the result is it's a certain pattern of believing and, and a thir- certain pattern of decision-making. All your decisions have genealogies. They come from someplace. Your thoughts have genealogies. Your thoughts are your prophets. I could, if you told me how you thought, I could tell you where you're going to be because they determine where we're going. And at any one time, you are known in three specific dimensions, the past, present, and future. You, today, you actually have a very clear past, but you have a, a very real present But many of you are thinking about what's going to happen next week. (laughs) What's going to happen later this afternoon? You're wondering because we live in these three dimensions all at the same time. So so when the question comes at different times in our life, like, so who are you? Sometimes we'll tell, say, our career. Yeah, well, that's what you do. It's not who you are. um, we, we need to remember that our, like identity comes out of intimacy. And, and, um, and so we no longer know people after the flesh, but the, the truth is we do. That's how we relate to them. Um, the first time we met your pastors, there was a fleshly encounter. By that I mean a physical encounter. But there was a spiritual thing that took place for Kelly and I that just completely opened our hearts and connected them to us. And it's hard for me not to pray for them or their family because they're in our hearts. It's a different deal. And so when I look at them ministering, I, uh, and, and, and then we look at us, what we did last night, we were doing different things. Um, so, so who are they? So here's what the enemy will do. He'll come and ask you, who do you think you are? You better have an answer. <laughs> it, so, so we no longer know people after the flesh. Well, many times we do. So you have a fleshly identity, but you also have a spiritual identity. Which are you going to function out of? Um, our identity, I, I know a few uh, f- 
doctors at home, and I've asked them a number of different ones because I, I don't want to not tell the truth. Somebody said the, the only things that tell the truth are young kids, drunk adults, and yoga pants. <laughs> um, I'm sorry for that image. Um, but he said, you know, I've asked them before, like, who determines uh, the identity of a child? And, and most doctors, so far anyway, have told me it's the father. And when we live in a, in a, in a culture that's fatherless, the result is we have identityless children. And the impact is huge. It's in the church. The cry for fathers. Um, yeah, well, I'm, I'm just starting to feel it, so let me minister it. Uh, <clears throat> so... Jesus would say this, that his identity, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And the question is, why is the Spirit of the Lord upon you? Um, so in, in Matthew chapter 4, here, here is what took place for me. I, I, I had, we, my wife and I read through the Bible every year, and uh, I found that after reading through it five or six times, I was not changed. Um, you know that reading, this, this is not heretical, it's not meant to be, it's meant to be a bit provocative, but reading the Bible won't change you. You, you may, you, like, I, I find people that study the Bible, but they're not changed. They stay within their same bitter, narrow world. They're, they're comfortable in that prison. Preaching doesn't change you. I'll never change you. The, the most influential person in your life, I know who they are, it's you. No one change you if you don't want to change. It's a big deal. Are you interested in changing? Or are you just kind of happy the way you are? Most of you will say, I'm not. Everybody wants to be diamonds and nobody wants to be cut and polished. <laughs> when, I, when I came into ministry, a senior minister came to me and says, yeah, people change, but not very much. That was encouraging. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to Open your hearts up enough so that you'll be able to see a different way. And, and, and this is the, probably the best definition of humility is um, being willing to let go of your opinion to be able to grab onto God's opinion. The transformation of your mind is the only way you're going to change. So you have to have a fresh thought. That's called repentance, a new thought. Are you interested in a new thought today? Um, so I would read through the Bible, and then I started to grumble because I wasn't changed. And the Lord said, uh, the, uh, yeah, said like, why, why am I not being changed? He said, well, son, <laughs> um, there's nothing wrong with my word. <laughs> you, ever, you, ever, you ever read, you know, I'm the Lord, I change not? So guess who has to do the changing? <laughs> uh, I'm the Lord, I change not, thanks. Um, um, so he said, really, the, um, there's nothing wrong with my word. There's something a bit faulty with the system that you're using. So I had to admit my system was faulty. His word wasn't faulty. And then I changed the system. And I put it in a, in a journal form, and um, the, um, it's not available this morning, but I'm going to give you a little outline of how it kind of goes. And I want you to begin by reading chapter 4 of Matthew, the, actually the last verse in chapter 3, because, um, oh, help me, Holy Spirit. Um, it says, a voice came from heaven, in chapter 3 and verse 17, a voice came from heaven, this is my beloved son, and I'm fully pleased with him, what one version would say, in him I am well pleased, this is my beloved son. Identity comes from the Father. 
uh, as soon as you begin to get an understanding or some uh, a revelation about your identity, the first thing that will happen is the enemy will challenge that. Who do you think you are? Um, so from that question that we all ask, there's, there's four primary needs of every human being. One of them is identity, one is, uh, one is security, one is purpose, and one is acceptance. Those four, those are primary needs of all humans. Um, if identity comes from our fathers and we don't have fathers, where do we get our identity from? We get it from a heavenly father because we've been grafted into a new bloodline. And so, so when you begin to get a revelation or God begins to say to you, and some of you, if I, I, if I were to say to you that you are his daughter and, and he is well pleased with you, many of you couldn't hear that right now because you're not sure he's well pleased with you because you don't see yourself as being well pleasing in the father's eyes. You feel shameful. You feel guilty. You have all of these ungodly, unhealthy feelings, but his word actually would contradict that. And he would say that in the eyes of God right now, you are without fault. And many would go, oh, just a minute. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, you have no buts. What if what he says is actually accurate? How about that? So then, so, so here's what happens is, is that when he begins to give us a revelation of who we are, we need to accept his view of who we are. So I take the word, I look into the word, and I see, what does the word say that I am? Jesus needed I am statements. So do we. How, how many I am statements do you have? I figure this, he gets, a, he gets, um, he gets tested now. The devil comes and says, well, if you are the son of God, this is a fascinating statement here. Change the stones to bread. Jesus said, no, 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 the scripture says, we get our identities from scripture. And somehow he overheard this, if you're the son of God. If I said you are well-loved by the Father, the instant thing, the instant question would come to your mind, well, if I am, then why aren't I, well, and all this stuff. But what if you actually could live with that saying, I am well-loved by the Father? Simple statement, profound, life-changing statement. What if you could just live with that and let that live in you, and you begin to live out of that identity of a well-loved daughter or son? What if that was the case for you? You would approach the world differently. It would look differently. Because our self-identity is how we identify ourselves. That's all it is. The way you see God is determined by how you see yourself. He said, he would say in Psalms, he said, to the faithful, I'll reveal myself as faithful. In, uh, in other words, if you don't have a revelation of him as being faithful, you'll never see him as being faithful. What happens when we see him as faithful, you know what happens? We're conformed to him in, in his image and then we become faithful. This is a big process, but you're getting it. It starts to... Settle now. So, here, so here's what happens, is that the enemy says, well, if you are, if you're the son of God, uh, do this. And he said, no, the scriptures say that we don't live on bread, but we live, turn, turn stones to bread. He's been fasting, turn the stones to bread. He's tempted with the thing that his, his soul hungers for. But, but he said, if you're the son of man, uh, he says, man does not live by bread, but by words that proceed from the mouth of God. What a statement. What if we live by words that proceeded? Not, that, not last year's word, but the word that's proceeding today. There's a proceeding word from the mouth of God today. And it'll awaken something in your, your heart. And if that soul in your heart is open, it'll actually begin to bear fruit. And we can accelerate the seasons today so it'll bear fruit before you leave. We can go through all four seasons in these next few moments. Because at the end, we're going to cover up the ground. We're going to go like this. Well, not physically, but spiritually. We're gonna feel and then we're going to pour water on it. And you're going to bear some harvest before you go. You walk out feeling different, looking different, seeing different, because if you can get a revelation of how God sees you, you'll actually begin to function in a different way. He came to Peter and he says, who do people say that I am? 
What an interesting statement. Who do people say that the Son of God is? He gives them an open book test. He's already telling them who he is. And he told them later on, he says, well, you know what? Nobody can teach you that. That has to come by revelation, direct revelation. I can teach you all about Jesus, but I can't give you a revelation of Jesus. You need to be open to a revelation of Jesus. And once we get a revelation of Jesus, we get a revelation of ourselves. And when we get a revelation of ourselves, we get a new name. Some people call me Lauren. My wife on Saturdays calls me Lorenzo. Saturday night's the night. Help me, Lord, with another quick thought. Uh, I'm talking about because naming comes from the Father. He renamed him. Uh, Romans chapter 8, it says that, that you and I can actually, when we receive, when we are adopted into the family, we get a revelation of who he is as Father. But he says we get a revelation of Abba Father. There's two functions uh, of a father, and one is affection and the other is authority. And for some, you've had a revelation of the authority of a father, but not the affection of a father. He's Abba Father. I was saved in 1982. I was Abba Fathered in 1993 because my spirit could not hear Abba, Daddy. Before that time, I was too broken. This, this process, right? 40, it, took, it, took, it took them 40 hours to get them out of Egypt, which is a sign of us getting saved. But it took 40 years to get Egypt out of them. This transformation process, it sounds so simple. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Uh Uh-huh. But but we don't function like new creations. And so here's what he said. He said that I can, we live by words that are proceeding, and I'm living on one that just proceeded from my father. What I do is I ask myself four questions, three questions, three powerful questions. And I actually make declarations from those in my journal each day because the system I was previously using didn't work. The the first one is I am, which is an expression of the spirit of who I am and created to be in Christ. And I write that out. And then I begin to live out of that. And then I keep a record of it because by that time, the next day, it will be contested. So I write out I am statements. I've got hundreds and I'm going to read, I think today, I'm going to read 60 over you. So he said, one, and that one lasted him is good enough for 40 days. He lived on that for 40 days, which means we need about 10 a year. If you're Jesus, in our case, we need 400 a year. So what was taking place here? Let me just explain it a little bit, and then we're going to minister this word. Um, then the devil, so he, he appeared to him in the desert. And then it says he, he appeared to him, he came to Jerusalem. And then it says he came to him on the high mountain. What's taking place? He said, on every level in your life, you will need another revelation of who you are. And for some of you, you got a revelation of who you were as you're, you're, you're like a child of God or something, which is a beautiful revelation. But now you're about to step into another part of your destiny. You're going to need another revelation of who Jesus is. Because the, not only is the church built on the revelation of Jesus, Matthew chapter 16, says, on this I can build my church. A life is built on a revelation of Jesus. Uh, our, 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 our families are built on a revelation of Jesus. Your business needs to be built on a revelation of Jesus. And every level that you go to, because the biggest battle you ever fight is a, a battle of identity. So when you're about to go to the next level, you're going to discover, you're going to co- be confronted with the enemy. And that giant is going to reveal who you are. Your circumstances will always reveal how you see yourself. But Jesus doesn't do that to intimidate you. It does it to call you up. So 
so what are you facing? Because he thinks you're able to face it, and he's going he's gonna to release in you a greater, greater revelation of who he is for you in that confrontation. He never puts us in a situation to lose. He, he puts us in situations to cause us to rise up to who we are in Christ. So, so I'm not sure where y'all are. My hunch is that some of you, you are coming out of a season, and for others, you're entering into a season. And if I were to ask you right now, how many are leaving a season, and I want to see your hands. How many are leaving a season? Let me see your hands. Quite a few, mostly on this side. And some here, yeah. How many do you know, you know, you know right now that you're entering into a new season? Right, see that? You all know. Well, here's what you need. You need a revelation of Jesus. Of not only who he is, but who he is in you. Yeah, what does he need to be for you? I have 400 names of Jesus from the New Testament. And, and I, don't, I don't, Lord, I hope I don't have 400 seasons in my life. But you need another revelation of him because that's how he builds us. So the next question I ask is because I am, let's say I am a well-loved son of the Father. I, I read that in scripture. I write that down in my journal. And then I, the next question I ask myself is I will. And this becomes an act of my soul. So this is three dimensions, spirit, soul, and body. So I get the word who, who I am. This is who I am. And I get that from the word of God. Jesus said in John 6, 63, that the words I speak to you, they're spirit and they're life. If you need life for your next season, you need a word for the next season. <laughs> spirit and their life. And so he gives us a word. And so I, I say, I will. And then I say, I am. Or I, I sorry, I am. And then I will. So... So you have to engage your will in the process. You'll never force your will. The most sacred thing about you is your free will. Never touch it. He waits for you to make a choice. And the result of that then is physically now, spirit, soul, and then body, I say, I choose. Because I'm well-loved, then, then today I'm going to walk in great love, supernatural love. And I choose to love everyone I meet. That's, those are the three. That's kind of how I go. If you could do that three days a week, in 30 days, you would be absolutely transformed. Your husband's going to say to you, where you been? Where you been, woman? Because you'll be transformed. What's, why? What's taking place? Our minds are being renewed. And how are they being renewed? They're being renewed from, this, from the word of God, of who he says we are. This is a very, very powerful thing. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I can't downplay, or I can't overemphasize or... Uh, I could oversimplify, but I can't overemphasize the importance of not being, letting the word get stolen from your heart. Because that's where it gets stolen from. Uh, okay, so, th so these, th those four things. So here, now, now let me just, I want to make this kind of practical. But I'll tell you a few things that have been just in my, in, in, in happening in my heart that I want to minister. And um, um, this is going to get a little personal. And uh, I probably, I don't need the band quite yet, but I kind of, I almost do. I just need to say something about, I'm thinking, right? That's what I'm, I'm processing up here. Um, I, I, there's, there's a, um, what I want to do is I want to pray uh, specifically for daughters today. And, um, and um, Eleanor Roosevelt said that we should do something we're afraid of every day. Um, this is that day for some some daughters. Uh, two weeks ago when I was praying for this service, I got a distinct uh, impression about the dissatisfaction that some women feel about their uh, image. 
And um, maybe, maybe a few keys would soften this a little bit. Because <laughs> I want to minister a very personal word right now. And, and um, I, I want to share with you just a little story about, about fathers. And um, many fathers are here today. Um, when my wife asked if I would speak at her women's conference a couple of years ago, she said, if, if I had you speak to our conference on daughters, what would you say on behalf of fathers? And I said, I would say that I'm sorry. That fathers live with deep regrets that they could have done better. There's, there's no father here that wouldn't identify with that. But the reason we didn't do better is because we never had better models. We did the best we can. Your father did the best he could too. Fathers usually wait to be wanted. They don't impose themselves in their kids' lives. But I'll tell you what happens when one of the greatest times that a daughter needs a dad is when her body is changing. And for most men, their insecurity will not allow them to go to where their, the daughters need them to go. I'm sorry, I'm just feeling pretty, pretty deep right now. And the result is that then the daughter wonders, uh, they get upset that their body's even changing because they, they really wanted their daddy's affection. They didn't need his authority, they needed his affection. And when you needed a hug and your dad wasn't there for the hug, it was his insecurity that, that kept him from moving towards you and the result was you missed out. And I'm just here today to reverse that because one of the things the Father never leaves us at the mercy of our past experiences, they don't need to define us, but many times they do. And then we keep trying to, thinking that we can earn his favor by doing more or being better or Martha was making a lunch that Jesus never ordered. And she said, hey, shouldn't Mary be working too? And, but the point was this, is that our action needs to come out of our intimacy, not the other way around. So the reason that he asked Peter, who do people say that I am? Ah, good, now, now you know, got a revelation of who I am, now you can go do stuff. Religion is the other way around. We do stuff to earn favor. And so today the father will, I feel he wants to refather some daughters. And, um, and if I were to ask you, what was the most hurtful thing as a daughter? Was it something your father did or something your father didn't do? It's quite likely that for many people, it was the absence, the things that he didn't do that I wished he would have done. And I, on behalf of fathers, will stand in a priestly function this morning on behalf of all fathers and ask forgiveness in just a moment. The, the, the decision you need to make is if you're willing to forgive. And if so, you'll walk out of that prison today. And the Heavenly Father will embrace you in the deepest, most affectionate embrace, embrace that you've ever received. And you will be altered and changed. And your world will look different. Um, my daughter, when she became a certain age, probably was about 14 or 15, I kept trying to break in her life. And finally she said, Dad, just leave me alone. 
And I go, phew, good. My assignment's over. So now all I had to do was go pray. It was a simple thing. Uh, for a father that was not, I was pretty active, but at that moment I became incredibly passive and I went for a walk and said, God, deal with her. And, and he said to me, he said, um, she said get away, but what she meant was, am I worth fighting for? Will you push back past your insecurities and love me in spite of how I feel about myself? And um, so I've repented quite a bit about that. And um, we're told a very strange thing in the Lord's Prayer. He said that we are to for, forgive. How does it forgive? As uh, forgive me as we forgive others. Just a minute. I'm a little confused now. Forgive those. As, as I forgive, right? You know what I'm talking about. Uh, forgive um, as, I, as we forgive. This is a different thing. He's, what he's saying is that, that we, we, Lord, forgive us as we forgive others. Uh, that Actually, I don't want to be ministered to that way. I want to be forgiven in spite of what I forgive others. <laughs> it's a radical prayer. No, I don't, don't just forgive as, a, as much as I forgive. Forgive me more than I forgive because I don't forgive that much. The, the, the number one healer of relational pain is forgiveness because they don't know what they do Jesus said they just don't know what they do they don't know the damage they did your dads don't know the damage they did if they knew the damage they did they would have fought harder we didn't know we, we were not trained as warriors let it be Lord um, I'm going to ask um, daughters all the daughters here to stand and now I'm going to say something very personal to y'all. Could all the women, would I just allow, could you just stand, please, so I can, because I want to focus on the father coming and re-fathering his daughters today. Um, I can tell you with great confidence that, that today's your day from the dysfunctions of your dad if you're willing to forgive. And uh, I'm going to do the big work, and I just need you to agree with me in your heart. You don't have to even say it out loud. It's just in your heart. Because I'm going to do what we would call identification repentance. I'm going to stand on behalf of your father. And, and if you feel you're good with your father, maybe let this flow into your generations then for the, your children after you. Um, on behalf of all of your fathers, I ask you today, will you please forgive me for not guarding your heart like the warrior God created me to be? Instead, I left you vulnerable to the courses of nature and the curses of culture, along with the pull of peers just to fit in and conform. You had no place to take your questions when you needed and you had questions, and I'm sorry for not being there as your dad. Forgive me for not protecting you by placing my shield over you when you never knew the battle or how to defend yourself. That was my role, and I left my post, and I left you uncovered. Forgive me for not drawing my sword to fight for you and leaving you to fight for yourself. Today, I remove the lie that you're not worth fighting for. Please forgive me for the words that I never spoke over you into your beautiful, tender heart, words like I love you, and that you'll always be in my heart. Somewhere someone is praying for you. Words like you're precious and cherished and priceless. Hear them today. You were a pearl of great price, and I bought the whole field just to find you, you are worth it. You are unique and you're gifted, you're wonderfully made. Your body is perfectly formed and fashioned 
for purpose, your purpose, specific purpose on the earth. Forgive me for withholding words of life out of my insecurity as a man and a father today. I reverse those unspoken words and I replace them with words of truth that your body is wonderful and that there's no one like you so you don't ever need to compare yourself to anyone anymore. You were loved and you deserve love and you will be well loved. Forgive me for not being the voice that I was authorized to be. Forgive me for the anger that rose up in your heart because of my absence, my silence and my fear. It caused you to become angry for my absence when you needed me. Forgive me for not being there when you needed me. I didn't know that you wanted me or that I was welcome. I was unsure and felt unable and I forfeited my role and function by walking away. And today I'm so sorry for that and I reverse the lie that you didn't deserve words of praise because you do. Today I affirm your beautiful princess, confident and courageous. You will make a wonderful mother, a gorgeous bride and a courageous wife. Hear these words today, you're the pride of my life truly a daughter of Christ. You're my daughter in you. I am fully and completely pleased. You're the pride of my life, the joy of my heart, and the picture of beauty and grace and poise. Now go into your world with my blessing, my strong confidence that you're my daughter in Jesus' name. Lord, let the words of truth resonate in the hearts of these strong, beautiful women today. We reverse the lies that, they, that they've been believing for so long command them to be silent now and file at their feet but let the words the life-giving words of truth that they hear from you today and from your word that you are the pride they are the pride of your life in Jesus name amen you can be seated I know that was a little personal but I hope that was okay I want to now pray for those of each of you and I'll need the whole band here. Um, some of you may not be completely sure of what I am's that you want to believe and, and I want you to leave with some today. Um, some people, I mean, we, we all deal with identity and at different seasons in life, it's more intense, but I feel there's a couple of people I would like to pray for. I'm not exactly sure who you are. I've kind of focused on a couple of these things right now to declare blessing over everybody. But if you have specific needs, I'm going to turn the service over to Ryan at the end of this, and then Kel and I will be available to pray for you. I forgot to introduce you, sweetheart. There's my, there's my bride of... My, I've been happily married for 37 years. She's been happily married for about 24 of those. <laughs> We have three grown children, four grandchildren, and um, yeah, we lead some churches in Canada. Okay, wah, 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 wah. Um, I want to I I now declare over you some I am statements about who you are in Christ, and these come from Scripture. And I want you to stand and allow, allow them to resonate within your heart. Just stand with me here, and I'm going to declare them over you. There's going to be one or two that will really resonate within your spirit that you need to take home and repeat, 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 maybe even get it tattooed on your inner thigh, I'm not sure. But just to remind you who specifically you are, because when you leave here, you'll be challenged with the things that took place here today. There's two services taking place, one right here, the seen one, and then there's an unseen one. The unseen one's gonna continue after we say amen and you go home. <laughs> and so, that, so, so the intensity of this specific warfare is, is very acute, and you will start to feel, was that right, is that true, is that even? Okay, so I just, in the name of Jesus, we're just going to get rid of that in our heads and we're going to say thank you lord for ministering truth to me my heart's open and the seeds have fallen in a deep deep
deep trough and they're going to be watered and I'm going to be leave with a great harvest. I'm going to declare over you some I am's. This will be enough to uh, get you through till we meet again. After about four of them, I'm going to need some drums. I mean, like haka drums. Is that right? Something like that. Some... If anybody ever asks you who you are, you can, you can repeat this to him. I am a child of God. I am deeply loved by God. I am saved by grace and I am born of his incorruptible seed. I am redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am forgiven of all sin. I am a new creature. I am a prototype in Christ. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms because I belong to Christ. I am loved, I am chosen, I am holy and without fault in my heavenly Father's eyes. I am part of his unchangeable plan. He has always been to adopt me through Jesus Christ into his heavenly, royal, powerful, eternal family. I know this because that gives him great pleasure. I am redeemed from the curse of the law. I am part of a royal priesthood and part of a chosen generation. This makes me light and salt and significant in the plan of God. I am an ambassador for Christ. My actions and attitudes always consistently reflect that. I am a joint heir with Christ. I am blessed and highly favored. I am beloved and completely, totally accepted by Him, in Him, for Him. I am co-crucified, co-buried, co-resurrected in Christ. I am alive with the purposes and power and promises of Christ right now. I am free from condemnation. I am reconciled to Christ. I am justified by faith and sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Yes, I am. I am elected, established, and I am empowered by grace. I am set free. I am victorious. I am qualified to share in Jesus' inheritance. I am purposely designed and anointed and graced to accomplish a significant task on the earth. I am filled with, and I am in the temple of the, the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives in me. I am part of the bride of Christ and come boldly before his throne of grace. I am the head and not the tail. I am first and not last. I lend and not borrow. I am too blessed to be stressed. I am anxious for nothing. I pray about everything. I tell God what I need and thank him for everything he has done. I am experiencing God's peace daily. His peace guards my heart. I'm being changed into his image, fathered from above, abounding and in thanksgiving. I am healed by his stripes, called by his name. I'm walking in supernatural health. I am growing the fruit of the Spirit, operating in the gifts of the Spirit, and filled with the Holy Spirit. I am more than a conqueror in Christ. I am firmly rooted, built up, and established. I am putting off the old man, and I am putting on the new man. Aha! I am God's workmanship. I am a work of art. I am handmade with love, and I am one of a kind in Christ Jesus. I am delivered from the power of darkness. I am translated in the kingdom of his dear son. I am defensively clad with the full armor of God to advance in this world. I am unoffendable because I forgive everybody every day. I'm protected by angels, surrounded by God's presence. I am part of a strong company of warriors. I am not alone. I am a son. I am part of the family of God. I am fully functioning in my calling. I am forgiven of all my sins. I am a kingdom builder, a local church builder, a legacy builder. I am just like my Abba Father. I am kind and compassionate and creative. I am known in heaven as a warrior, mighty, 
country. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed wherever I go. Coming and going. Surely goodness and mercy. It will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We got it good. We hope you enjoyed our podcast and it was a great encouragement to you. For more information about C3 Newcastle City, visit our website, www.c3nc.com.